This is News Talk 980 CKNW. 8.14 on this Saturday morning. Thanks so much for being with us. We are going to talk a little civic politics now. And Vancouver City Councillor George Affleck joins us on the line. Councillor, thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Joe. Uh, well, the news is uh, we'll get to talking a bit more about this uh, idea of whether or not there's going to be uh, a new station on 57th uh, on the Canada line. But first, I uh, want to say uh, people, I think, uh, big supporters of yours, uh, upset that t- to learn that you won't be seeking a third term in the next election. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes politicians don't know when to leave, and I've decided to leave now before people start hating me, I guess. <laughs> uh, what was what was the main factor or factors behind that decision? Well, it was a simple uh, question of uh, the job of being, you know, mayor is a big job. Uh, I've been a councillor now for two terms, almost seven years, and, uh, you know, sat down with my family, uh, have, I have a business, and I thought, you know, what are the priorities of my life? Uh, do I have the time and the commitment to do the job of a mayor at this point in my time, in my life? And I thought, you know what, I, I think uh, I don't, and I think I need to focus on my family. i got a young family and focus on my business uh, so that... Uh, uh, my future can be uh, financed, and uh, you know, I think it's uh, that. Those are the main reasons, really. And why not run again as a councillor? I've always been clear that uh, two terms as a councillor for anybody should be about enough. I think you go in there with a lot of energy, uh, a lot of ideas, uh, whether you're in opposition or you're the party in power. Uh, and I think it's um, you know, politicians should know uh, when to go and when to stay. And I think two terms generally is, in my mind, enough for any one person to, to stick around on a, as a councillor. All right. Do you have anybody in mind who you think would be a good mayoral candidate for the NPA? Well, it's, it, we have an open and democratic process, so there are several people I've heard that are thinking about it. Uh, we'll be holding the uh, nomination meeting in February, the NPA will be, and choose our mayoral candidate then. So, you know, it's whoever, uh, whoever gets the most votes, in, like any good democracy. So I'll look forward to seeing how that process unfolds. All right. Is it did it factor in as well? We often hear about the the, the back the, the 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 stuff that happens that people don't necessarily see, whether it's signing people up, memberships, and it can be quite cutthroat, can't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in any party, I think you have to be in it uh, to win it, and there are uh, lots of uh, people interested in this in the gig. But uh, and you know, really, it's about signing up members. It's about energizing the party. Um, I'm just happy to see that there are so many people interested. I feel like I've done my work when I see we have a, an AGM coming up. We have more people wanting to be on the board than we've ever had before. We have you know three or four or five people wanting to run for the mayoral gig. So to me, this is just a, a sign of a, a, that people are optimistic that the NPA is the party that will uh, run City Hall next uh, October. Uh, how crucial is it, do you think? I mean, obviously, you're, you're with the NPA. You'd like to see them be victorious. But how crucial do you think it is? I, I think the phrase I'd heard you use was to get the city back on track. Uh, we've had, what, nine years now uh, of, of vision running the city. What, what do you think is the, the main challenge or, or should be the first uh, focus of the NPA? Well, to me, and, it's, and this is something I've been fighting for, is uh, fiscal prudency and, and also transparency access to City Hall, trust in City Hall, those are the main ones. I mean, certainly uh, what we're going to talk about next is about transparency, and, and that's been something I've been fighting for. Uh, but also, you know, the finances are going into budget time again, the details of uh, the finances. I believe there's a need, there's going to be a lot of digging in the finances to, to be done to get uh, that house in order for sure. 
All right. Uh, talking transparency, because oh, we are we are going to speak about this. Uh, and, and I think it might surprise people when, when a big transit system is built. We don't often talk about stations being added after the fact. But uh, there has been talk of a new station being added, uh, getting a commitment from Ani, the developer, to put a station uh, between 57th and 59th. Uh, what is the issue, though, or your concern? And what have you uncovered about this, uh, about whether it will or will not happen? Yeah, this was a bit of a surprise to me. We had a public hearing uh, in July of this year for the Pearson Dogwood land, which uh, is sort of at 57 and Camby in that area. A big, big, uh, massive amount of housing going in there for persons with disability, for there's condos, there's, uh, you know, there's rental housing, all sorts of stuff going in there. But one of the key parts of that development and, and us approving that was that there's going to be a station there one day. Now, the, the report said, we're not sure if it'll be 10 years or more, or we don't know. Um, but there was a commitment in that process of $20 million from the developer to build the station. But then I received this letter this week, and there were a lot of people asking questions back in July about the station, whether it was actually going to happen, and the staff were saying, yeah, it's going to happen, and this seemed to be okay, that's fine. But I received this letter uh, a couple weeks ago from uh, somebody in the public, and it was quite shocking because it, it was a letter from TransLink from uh, February of 2016 that outlined uh, many reasons why it's very, very unlikely that a station will ever be built at this location. And this letter concluded by saying that, um, please include this letter in any future discussions, or at least at least the components of this letter uh, in any future discussions, and certainly I would say as part of the public hearing process, so that uh, the public are aware of all, the, all of these concerns, and, and, and it was not included. So was this some type of brown envelope that passed to you or somebody that uh, secretly gave you this letter? It's a, yeah, there's somebody that just gave it to me and I, and I, and I had it uh, verified and, and it, uh, you know, it's uh, this actual letter that I got, yes. And, so, and that was no part then when this was discussed at council and when this was agreed upon, that letter or that information then wasn't part of the discussion? Yeah, somebody along the way decided, and I don't know who, and I have the most highest respect for staff, and I and so I feel that I'm not sure who made this decision uh, not to include this letter, but it was it has so many components to it that are so crucial to how we make a decision, and you know we as a council are supposed to make the most informed decisions we can with as much information as we can and, and public input, uh, not to include it uh, is very very concerning to me. Uh, did you vote in favor of this project? Yeah, it was unanimous in support of this project. Um, uh, this, this neighborhood, really. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we voted for it. And would you have voted for it had you had the letter? Well, that's a big question. It's, it's because we voted for a significant increase in density at this location uh, as, at Pearson Dogwood, but also as at Langara Gardens that we also is, it talks a lot about this station. It's an important part of it. Uh, the question really comes down to the, the amenity contribution. This is the money that the developer gives us. And it's $20 million that they've contributed with the assumption that the station will be built. Now, if that station doesn't get built, then that money would be used for something else. But clearly, this letter is stating that this station is very unlikely to be built. So the question that I have is, should we have approved the kind of density, knowing if we'd known about this letter, knowing that the station would not be there, is this density too, too much density, given there's not going to be a station there? And, uh, you know, what was the value of that contribution? While $20 million is a lot of money, was it too much money for the developer to give with the assumption? Because, of course, the developer is using this station and their marketing materials for their condos, and, 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 the, and the people with disabilities who are going to be moving there would have this assumption that there's going to be a station there. So was this amount of money the, uh, enough money or too, too much money? I don't know. We never had that discussion because we weren't informed of this, the details that were included in this letter, which, by the way, included co- comments like, 
the engineering for the station is almost impossible and unheard of to dig down and put a station underground uh, and therefore technically probably not possible. It also stated that if the entire station needed to be paid by a third party, and then TransLink would have nothing to do with it. It also stated that there is no indication from the regional uh, transportation plan that there would ever be a station in this location. It's not part of the plan, which goes to 2040. So even then, if the best-case scenario, according to this letter, is there would be a station built after 2040, that's a long way away and, and not 10 years. Uh, and so there's many, many parts of this letter that were indicating to me that this station simply is not going to happen. Uh, but at the time of the vote, when it was a unanimous vote for this project, though, did no one think to ask TransLink, which we know would be in charge of the station, would be operating the station, uh, what they thought about this and whether or not they were on board? Uh, we had uh, in, the, in the public hearing document, there was one paragraph on like, page 32 that said uh, that uh, just about this uh, very loose statement about the possibility of the station if it didn't happen. And it was really just one paragraph. Uh, and so there were several, we asked a lot of questions of our staff of uh, this, the viability, and they indicated that, you know, that there was the assumption that this station would be built. Uh, in, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe in 10 years, but it was certainly on the on the, on the the list of things that they would, would happen. But, uh, you know, I don't recall anybody from TransLink being interrogated by us, but uh, certainly staff were clear in, 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 their, in the document that this was probably going to happen. But I think that this letter shows to me that it's absolutely not going to happen. And the $20 million then, was is there an out in the agreement then that the money goes elsewhere if the station doesn't happen? Yeah, well, in the station cost, by the way, in the letter, said it would be about $100 million to build a station minimum. Um, in, the, in the document, in the public hearing document, yeah, it says that $20 million would go to something else. Now, that's the other question that we never had a chance to debate. If, if we were to make the assumption that this station is probably not going to be built, that $20 million should then go to the traditional community amenity contributions like parks or building, you know, how many community centers could be built for $20 million. The area of Marple, which is in need of so many different things, uh, as soon as possible, if we could allocate this cash uh, sooner than later, uh, knowing that the station wasn't going to be built, that would be the fairest thing to do to the community who are now going to see significant density moving into their neighborhood without the amenities like um, parks and, and, and community centers and pools. Uh, and now they're not going to see that because we're going to sit on this cash for who knows how long with this false assumption that we're going to have a station. Does it call into question for you other uh, approvals or other projects that have been approved that maybe there are other letters out there, are there other uh, agreements or promises that aren't going to happen? It does draw a lot of concern to me um, on how Vision Vancouver operates our city, which, as you know, based on the things I've been saying for many years and what a lot of people complain about, is the backroom deals that are going on with Vision Vancouver in the mayor's office before decisions decisions are made in council. This, to me, is something that feeds into that problem uh, in how Vision Vancouver governs our city. Are they... Uh, it, this, are other things that aren't that haven't been uncovered by somebody who gave me this letter that proves something that I was sort of being talked about. Uh, how many other uh, freedom of information uh, uh, tools do we need to use in order to get to the truth of how Vision Vancouver governs our city? I, I'm very concerned uh, that there are many things that are not we as council and the public in general are not getting and hearing about uh, because it's the agenda of Vision Vancouver is to to get things other things done and to hide information from the public and from the rest of council. Have you heard anything? Have you reached out to uh, your Vision counterparts and asked them about this? Uh, there's been radio silence from Vision Vancouver, from, from what I've seen. Uh, 
Uh, there are there's a one speaker signed up I know next week to talk talk to it, so it will move to Wednesday. But uh, no, there are. I have heard that uh, that there the TransLink was quite surprised, and his letter was uh, brought to your attention. And my motion, I have a motion coming forward related to this to this letter, uh, asking staff to report back to us on the viability of the station. Is this a real thing? Uh, and drawing attention to all the fat in the points in this letter, I'm asking staff to to come back with a report to us about the viability or lack of viability of the station and to then say, if the station's not going to happen, let's let's reallocate that money now. Let's talk, let's have that discussion now so that the neighbourhood can have the trust in City Hall as it should for how we build their neighbourhood. All right, uh, we are out of time, but uh, Councillor Affleck, thank you so much. Uh, we will talk to you again, I'm sure, before the end of the term, but thanks for coming on the programme this morning. My pleasure, Jill. That is George Affleck. He is an MPA counselor in Vancouver. Your thoughts on this or anything you've heard on the program, you can give the Buzz line a call, 604-331-BUZZ. That's 604-331-2899. That's all the time we have for you this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. We will be back with you again bright and early tomorrow morning. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.